Podular Modcast is brought to you by Patchwork Seattle, the best synth shop in the Northwest. Please visit them online at p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com to learn about their very expansive catalog. Uh, Weird, this song that I'm actually playing under me is called Expanse, and I didn't even plan to say expansive, but... They their their selection is much more expansive than this track. Um, they have everything. They have modular stuff. They have studio stuff. They have desktop synths. They have pedals. They have shirts and records, and they've got it all. So please head over to patchwerks.com. I would also like to say thank you to everybody who has uh, recently signed up for the Patreon. I've uh, been putting some bonus material up there every so often. Just recently put up a little teaser. It's uh, the first episode of a podcast that a friend and I are working on about movies, where we just talk about movies. Um, and I'm not sure if it's actually going to become a real podcast because he moved to Europe for the summer and now might be moving back to Europe. And I don't know. But uh, we recorded two episodes. They're really fun. There's one up there. There's also bonus uh you know, music content and video content. And uh, yeah, I would very much appreciate it if you went over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast to help keep the LEDs blinking over here. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and this week we have Alex Anderson, aka ALX106, on the show. You know Alex from his work with WMD, all the videos, all the trade shows. Um, also with his recent work with Traversi. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, we talk a lot about live performance with two people today, um, and just live performance in general. And uh, I feel like I learned uh, a lot. From this conversation so buckle up alex knows his stuff so i would take some notes um before we get into this chat though i want to remind you all about waveform pdx that's coming up october 16th sunday october 16th a live uh well i mean there's going to be live performances i'm going to do a live podcast and it's also going to be like a trade show environment with a bunch of our favorite modular manufacturers so if you're in the portland area please head out and uh yeah if you're if you're planning on going to that the night before we have waveform inversion which is like a pre-party uh show that saturday night at 8 p.m october 15th it is at the black swan in portland i will be playing alongside Rika, Camino Acid, and uh, and more. So I'm pretty excited about that. And like I said, I learned a lot from this week's episode talking with Alex. So I'm hoping to apply a lot of that knowledge to the set that I'm bringing to the Waveform Inversion Party. So that should be pretty fun. What else is pretty fun? Oh, well, as you know, after later audio, uh, we just released a whole bunch of new modules, 11 new modules, and there are more to come next month. But, uh, you know, we talked about the Coco system the last few weeks, and we've got the Mutable Instruments Classics line, uh, more to come from that. So if you want to keep your finger on the pulse of everything after later audio, please head over to afterlateraudio.com or give us a follow on the Instagram and YouTubes, or how about all three? Um, 
Speaking of cool oscillators, I uh, I put my one one of the three performances that I did on my anniversary road trip uh, with the XPO from Make Noise up on YouTube. So uh, link in the show description for that, and hopefully I'll have the uh, the second one done soonish. Uh, what else? Oh yeah. Again, speaking of cool oscillators, please check out. Oh my gosh, I just hiccuped when I said check out. Um. Yeah, please check out the Schlappy Engineering 3 body. Uh, I'm going to be finding a way to incorporate that into my live set for waveform inversion as well. Hoping to find some kind of, I'm hoping that'll be kind of like the middle dark weird part, but um, yeah, we'll see. I'm still, I'm still formulating my set. And that, that'll probably be about it for today's intro. I want to say thanks to the few people who have sent me some of their music recently to play on the show. Um, as you know, I'm always open to submissions, and uh, when enough roll in, I end up doing a, a listener music-fueled episode. So if that's something you're interested in, hop on the old emails and send me a, uh, an email with some WAV files to download or a download link for Bandcamp. Um... Yeah, that's about it. Let's get into this chat with uh, with Alex. Where to start, man? It was good to see you at Velocity. How was your Velocity experience? Oh, Velocity was incredible. I feel like I didn't spend enough time at the WMD booth, so I apologize to anybody that needed a demo and I wasn't there, but it was just good to see <laughs> old friends and meet new people too. And I kind of just spent my time like, took me like two hours to do a lap. And if you've ever been to Velocity, it's a very small room. Like, you know, you know, it's like, uh-huh. it's a, there's like, it's a small room, but it took me like two hours to get around just cause I was just, you know, shooting the shit with everybody that I hadn't seen in like four years. Yeah. Yeah. I was bouncing. I was bouncing around quite a bit too. I was, I was helping a little at the after later audio booth, but I was mostly just, uh, yeah, mostly just wanting to, to talk to people and, I feel like I got actually was thinking about you in context of my experience of the second velocity because um, the first velocity I had talked to people online and stuff, but maybe only once or twice. So I didn't really like I, I wasn't as established, obviously, because it's just a couple more years later. And um, right. so I actually I was like, oh, this is I, I think I'm getting a glimpse into what what Alex's experience is like when he goes to these synth trade shows and gets to see all these people that he's, you know, grown and fostered these relationships with over the years of working there. And I'm like, Oh, this is, it was cool the first time, but it was, it just was, it was, uh, it felt cooler the second time just because I knew more people and got to see some people again and then got to see some other people for the first time. And I mean, I think we've hung out now like three times at least in person so yeah um yeah it's just uh, i'm I'm gonna get annoyingly sentimental about it but yeah it was really fun no yeah no i love it and i i totally feel you it's like i i remember i was i was reminiscing the other day because i realized that i've been to i think eight of the ten knob cons that have happened (laughs) because i think i went to the third one and then I did, I skipped one. So I've been to seven of the 10 and like to think about the first year I went out, it was William Tyler and I, and, uh, we drove William's Subaru from Colorado 
and stayed, you know, in like Lincoln, Nebraska halfway. We drove the 15 hour drive to Chicago and uh, <laughs> he ended up getting a really nice room. It was like he, he didn't he didn't splurge on, you know, we didn't get plane tickets. We were too cheap for that at the time, but he got us a really nice room. And um, we had I think it was a different hotel at that point, but it was like so intimidating, you know, and it was like the first time I met anybody that um, like from that whole from that community and like uh, the coma guys were there and, you know, it was like a few more people from from Europe were there and like it was just like super intimidating and then you know the next year it was like just seeing all the same people again was like oh man i like made friends with all these people and now Mm -hmm. like eight Mm -hmm. years later it's like oh i can't wait like this is just like it's like i feel like i'm home you know yeah seeing all these people and and velocity was like a very was kind of the same same thing especially because that's exactly what happened you know the first velocity then not seeing everybody for three years then getting to go back and reintroducing myself to people that I, you know, surely have met, but you know, it's been a long time. Well, awesome. I mean, the the amount of people that you've interfaced with in the community is got to be like, like among some of the highest amount of people that you know, like, like because of all the trade show stuff that you've done, but then also through Freak Boutique, and then with the way you ran that through. Um, through the pandemic and having people from all over the world doing it, you know, it's just like you've talked to, there's no way to remember every single person that you've met. Like, no, exactly. That was, it was funny. There was, um, at Velocity, uh, Christoph Air Shield was there and he, he introduced himself and he was one of the ones that I've met, I had met online and he played a freak boutique. And so I remembered his name, but I didn't remember, like, I was like, you know, looking at him through a screen, he was two inches big when I saw him. So I like, didn't, yeah, right. It didn't, I was like, didn't recognize him, you know? And it was like, so funny. Cause yeah, I definitely have spoke to a lot of people and, uh, you know, doing like email support and things like that. Like just, just at KnobCon, there was a person who came up to me and we were talking and then he's like, yeah, you actually have one of my pieces for like a repair, you know? And I was like, that's you. <laughs> and I was like, I, I recognized his last name, but like, didn't really think about it, you know? And it's like, yeah, there's definitely, yeah. definitely talked to a lot of people. I've had that experience a few, well, similar to that is like just being into a conversation and then like, uh, with somebody at say velocity or something. And then they would be like, oh yeah, well I sent you this thing on Instagram. I'm like, Oh, what's your Instagram handle? And then they'll tell me and I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Well, all of your profile, your profile picture is like a synth and all of your stuff is there is a synth and your name is not a human name. So like, it's like, I would have never known that, but it's, it's cool to meet people and put actual like physical meat meat bodies. (laughs) Yeah. Well, with uh, the online freak boutique, you know, during the pandemic, everybody was like, making their studios like really dark with crazy lighting and shit. And it was like, right, right. <laughs> well, you don't know what anyone looks um, like. It's like, you're just seeing stage lights. So what's the state of freak boutique now? Like, um, you, so yeah, you, freak you boutique. were doing it live again, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing it live. Um, doing it in person again at Fort green. Um, I'm still streaming it for a little while. I was, um streaming people into the bar so i'd set up like a tv oh cool 
and uh-huh. then I'd have people from out of state play, and then um, they could play remotely at the bar, and we would pipe them through the sound system and stuff. And it was cool, but I never got the like infrastructure to talk to them because that's oh. like, you know, the big important part. So it was always awkward because I'd like I talked to them before and I'd get to hang out and then I'd be like, OK, well, your set's at nine. It's seven thirty. <laughs> so come back at nine thirty and, you know, just be ready. And then I'm going to announce you. I'll turn you on. You'll play. Pay attention to the chat for five minutes. Make sure that I don't chat you telling you that I can't hear anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and when, I, when you're done, just tell us about the set and then say goodbye because that's, like, all we can do. <laughs> right. Yeah, you'd have so, to, like, set up, a like, a, a separate station in a green room to avoid feedback or something maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so I tried it a few times, like, the first time without thinking about it. The feedback was just crazy. So, like mm-hmm. – I tried to like log in on my phone and like run into a different room and chat to him. But then the latency was all crazy. And it was just like, and like my voice, like then, then the crowd at the bar couldn't hear what I was saying because you know, it was just like, it was just a shit show. And so it's one of those things that like, I want to figure out, but haven't. And probably need to buy like another like a new mixer or a new audio interface or something to like make it easier and just haven't gotten mm-hmm. around to it so but we're doing it live and we're going to continue doing freak boutique you know uh regardless of the state of wmd it's just we're going to indefinitely keep it going as long as i can keep it going okay yeah um i mean while while, while you brought it up let's just uh, get that part out of the way just because i'm sure people you know, who see your name show up on the, the episode list are going to be curious. Can you just kind of give us a rundown of, of WMD and what, what's going on there? Yeah. So, um, it, like a, it was in August, early August, we announced that we are planning to wind down our production facility and essentially go out of business. Um, and this is due to lots of different factors. Um, Inflation, parts shortages, um, and all of the things that are just happening in the world right now um, just kind of added up. And the timing was just not great for us for all those things to happen where we were, we, we've been really investing ourselves into production and into, not, in, into, um, into our facility and into our manufacturing facility. And, and uh, we, you know, things kind of just all came to a head where um, William, the owner of WMD, he decided that... Um, it was just too harmful on him, on his mental health to, to keep it going in the way that he had it going. And so that's mm-hmm. what he decided to do. And um, we made that announcement. And so since then, we've been running a um, 30% off everything except for new products and, and big products sale. Um, so good, good time to buy WMD stuff. And then um, we, had, we also have three new products that we could make. So we're making 600 of those each. <laughs> but the thing was like, that's, that's like the, like the, the nominal amount of parts we could get, you know, like we couldn't get more mm-hmm. parts for these. So it's like we can make 600 and then we can't make another run for another two years. So it wasn't like, well, if we just make these and, and sell them, like things could be better. It's like, we just don't see an end in sight for, 
for these problems and part shortages and, and all the things. And so costs have gone up, you know, considerably as well, because Williams invested tons of money into parts at extremely high costs, like 10x or more um, uh-huh. in order to just keep people working. And so it's just not wow. sustainable. So he's decided to to wind things down. And um, in doing that, we're we're still in production right now. But, you know, like we said by the end of the year, but things always take longer than we expect them to. And um, we are, you know, so we're making new runs of some things. So we're still making tons of modules before the before the close um, of the production facility. So and then when the production facility is closed, it's not necessarily the end of WMD. Um, You know, like we don't just close the doors and then not sell any modules anymore. William will continue to sell his stock that he has. And so. He is building some stuff that he can right now in order to kind of help that out. So, like, we have another run of um, carbon coming, the filter. We have another run of muscles coming, the the stereo compressor. And I think he's making a lot because he wants to just be able to have those for people because they're they're important modules to him. Um, unfortunately, Javelin, our envelope, like, that's one of the ones that is hurting us the most because we, you know, like, it and a bunch of other stuff we just can't get parts for. And so mm-hmm. like we won't be able to build more javelins for another couple years, at least another year, you know, like so it's just like it doesn't make sense to um to keep it going. Um and limp, you know, like the limp is just a really, really awkward and and hard limp, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so I think that that's kind of so that's that's where we're at. I think that's pretty much what it's where it's going. Like I said, you know, we have the new products coming. And then we have new runs of stuff coming. So like the reality is that like you will be able to buy some WMD stuff for quite a while. Some of it you won't be able to buy ever again mm-hmm. <laughs> unless off the used market. <laughs> and right, then some right. of it, you know, depending on what William decides in the future, um, he may be able to come back in some way, shape or form. But, you know, that's that's all his decisions and, and, and state of the world and what he wants to do. Um, in the future. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, I was just talking with Eric Schlappi the other day. And then of course I'm, you know, talk with Lenny about this stuff. Um, and I don't really know much about it. I just listen to really smart people talk about it, but I kind of want to get your take, even though you kind of just gave it in the story of WMD, but like this, this chip shortage and part shortage, it's like, okay, well, like the cell phone and computer business is, is a multi-billion dollar business and then you know just audio is just like a you know hundreds of million dollar a year business this is the way eric was describing it to me and it's just like right there are only a couple factories in the world that make some of these chips even one factory uh that makes some of these chips like in the entire world so like with with the way things are going with with part shortage and then just like the the nature of supply demand like where do you see the like audio world being in the next five ten years as far as musical equipment um yeah it's a good question i mean it's it's really interesting like you know with akm akm had the is the company that had the fire and they built like they made like codex and things like that and 
mm-hmm. believe like ADCs. And again, I'm 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 with you. I'm not a super big expert on parts. I'm not a procurement person, and I'm not an I'm not an engineer, but I do have a little bit of an inside track. And and so you know that company was one of the only like the only companies that made a chip that did this thing at a certain level, right? So you can get other chips that do the same thing, but not at the same level. And that's a big thing for audio people is like, you know, we want high sample rates for digital stuff. We want really precise things for, um, for analog stuff. You know, like everything has to be, um, uh, great, you know, good quality or else we hear about it. Right. And, and a lot of us, uh, in this industry are trying to make pro level equipment. We're not making, um, we're not necessarily making toys and we're not necessarily making, um, like beginner level stuff. You know, I'd say it's prosumer very much, you know, it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's on mm-hmm. that tip, but, but we're trying to make stuff that can go on tour and, and not get shit talked about it on forums or on stage. You know, it's like, it's, I've, I've watched some bands, you know, like trash, a piece of equipment that failed on them on, on stage. And that's like one of my biggest, you know, fears. It's like, that's terrifying. Uh So, (laughs) so everybody needs this like top level stuff. And, you know, I, I, I've talked to a few customers who have been like, well, can't you just get this somewhere else? And the answer is no, like Mm -hmm. you can get it from, sure. You can get it from someone else who's getting it from the same place, you know? Right. And so now (laughs) you can get it from someone else who bought a shit ton two years ago and has a bunch, but they're going to charge you 15 times more. And yeah. us on boutique level can't afford to do that. Um, especially cause you know, we've raised our prices in order to try and cover this stuff. And you know, we can't compete without, with, with obvious names. Um, but like we've tried to stay like, you know, relatively affordable and, it's getting to that it it gets to that point where it's it's not necessarily affordable anymore and that's a thing that um is a bummer you know and it's something that really sucks and i'd say like the car industry is one of the big ones that like i think is like one of the big industries that's taking up all these chips and you have to understand like cars are doing the same shit modular synthesizers are doing now you know like we're literally (laughs) taking digital control we're taking computers and we're taking an analog an analog source which is your foot pedal you know and converting that into digital so you have to have an adc for that and then you have to you do all the stuff in the computer and you talk to all these different things but then you have to convert that again to analog voltage at some point to tell something what to do and so Mm -hmm. like all of these all of these parts are getting eaten up by by these different industries and the car industry is a huge one considering now we are in, we are in self-driving car land. So right. we're basically in the point of a modular synthesizer, you're driving a modular synthesizer now, but <laughs> instead of a generative patch, it's just, you know, it's just generating you driving around. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like the future, I don't know, man. It's like, I, I can't really, I don't, I don't know how to really speak on what I think the future is going to be because I think that people are resilient. I think engineers are resilient and I think shit's going to continue to be cool and people are going to continue to put stuff out. But mm-hmm. I think that people that like the smaller, unfortunately, some of the smaller manufacturers um, 
they're going to have to figure out ways to keep their overhead low. And I think that that's like where we were, right? We have a very high overhead because we do all of our manufacturing in the United States, in Denver, Colorado, next to downtown, you know, we're hiring musicians from the local scene to be our, to be, you know, and artists and, and people from our scene and trying to give them great jobs, you know, like all of those things uh, just account for, for a monthly overhead that's relatively high. And so if people can cut that down a little bit, um, you know, a lot, then they can, then they can, um, they'll be able to sustain a little bit better. And then, you know, the other thing is like, where do you, where do you put your money? And like, if you're going to make something with this part, you know, you might, and you know that it's a good part, you know, you can use it. As soon as you've proved that concept, it's worth starting to buy the parts, you know, because mm-hmm. they'll be gone. They might be gone or cost more in the future. You know, you just don't know. So I would say that people that can will. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I think the people that can't won't. And I think that the, People who can't, it kind of depends on where they go and what they do on what the industry is going to look like. Because some people are going to move laterally and stay in the industry with someone who can. And then some people are just going to get out and go work for Google or Meta or whatever, you know, and, and use their talents um, to, for somewhere that, you know, people can pay them. So it's, it's an interesting thing. And... I think that like it's uh, it's going to be an interesting time, but what I've already noticed is like that music is starting to be like the first and foremost again, you know, where it's like gears kind of like. I think people are going to start focusing less on gear and start focusing more on like I put this track out, which I'm excited about. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because just as you were saying that, I was kind of thinking like, yeah, I've. I mean, it's hard for me because I'm constantly talking to people about their new thing they made and I'm constantly, you know, I'm working for a company. But the vibe that I am getting is uh, from just like people in the scene, you know, the musicians in the scene is it. I do feel like there is starting to be more of a shift towards music. Um, And I feel that even with my own work with modular, because I've. I don't know. I feel like I've recently leveled up. I'm, I'm playing stuff. I'm making patches that I'm like, oh, this is like actually good music. This isn't just like twiddles and bloopy blorps and stuff. Um, yeah. And that has definitely become way more of a uh, a priority for me. But there is this weird thing with like one of the reasons that I think I'm, you know, I'm quote unquote leveled up or whatever is because I found a few pieces of gear that I've really like locked in with and have found like found ways to use that serve you know me actually uh expressing my voice or whatever so there is this weird totally. thing with a, like you do have to find the right gear so you know some people are like oh it's not it has nothing to do with the gear it's all about like what you know your expression it's, it's like, well everybody's journey is different yeah yeah um that was a total ramble but uh yeah, no, I, told, because, I mean, like, I've been rambling. That's is that what this is? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the whole reason I started the show. Um, but it's it's you know like you start. I feel I feel like I'm seeing uh, you know Sweetwater have modular stuff and reverb and I think vintage or vintage King or whatever and you know 
I've said this for a while, but you know, you see it creeping into the popular culture stuff. Sometimes you'll see it on a stage with a big band and maybe somebody has like a little tiny modular setup or whatever, but like, and I know like the guitar industry is kind of not booming right now. Like, uh, right. So it's like, it's weird because like, it could be this like, like imperfect timing where this stuff is getting to a point where it could be popular enough for these smaller builders to maybe have some real success with it. But then when part shortages come up and they can't do it or it's too expensive to exactly. make it and sell it, it's just like, ah, it, it like, well, and then it's like, you know, it's like you, you make a bunch of stuff to satisfy demand and then demand drops off because there's a war happening and, you know, an entire country's worth of people is displaced and not able to, um, you know, make as much music or whatever, you know, it's like, that's, that's a real thing. And, um, and then you've got, you know, adjacent countries being like, you know, just more cautious and more cautious with money. And then, you know, the entire world right now, like, you know, just like recession hitting and stuff, like everybody's being more cautious. So if you invested in a bunch to to satisfy demand and then demand drops, then well, like, oh no. And like, one of the things that you said, that I think is so important about like a musician's journey, you know, to get away from the depressing stuff. Um, <laughs> it, that's so important is like when you find those things that make you happy and like you've fallen in love with something and like, you're not, you get a, once you get away from the, like trying everything because it's new or trying mm-hmm. everything because you can, once you get away from that, it's, it is like, so it's so important because it's so important to to do that because you can like, once you fall in love with something, you know, then you can start really expressing yourself through that medium and through that form. And like, I, you know, like tangent, like I want to, I want to do visual art again. Like I haven't done visual art in forever. I used to spray paint and stuff. And I like used to like to do like street art style stuff, but I like just, you know, just in my backyard and stuff. And I haven't done it in a long time. And now trying to think about doing visual art again, I feel just the same way as starting music all over again, where I'm like, well, I want to, I have to figure out my medium. I have to figure out what, what I'm going to use. Am I going to paint on canvas? What kind of paints, how am I going to be able to express myself? And like one of my friends with music would tell, told me for a while that he heard me play, like, you know, make the same song over and over and over again, just on different pieces of equipment, you know? And it's like, Number one, I think that when you make music, like everybody kind of writes the same song over and over again because they're trying to make that perfect song, you know. Mm-hmm. But two, he's totally right where it's like I I was like doing the same thing on all these different kinds of gear, waiting for the the right like workflow to happen for me to be able to make this style of music. And I feel the exact same way where I have a modular case that I – haven't i i've I've been using the same patch for probably three months and Mm -hmm. two weeks ago if that maybe a week ago i tore it apart and then moved some modules into another case and then pretty much built up the exact same patch (laughs) and i'm like i think that i just do this sometimes to like prove that i'm in control well that's so funny like you you know to prove the modular like i'm gonna take it apart 
because you know yeah. i gotta start from scratch and then i just do the exact same thing because that's totally. my workflow and that's what i'm comfortable oh with yeah that's hilarious and it's like but i'm in love with my setup i i am i love it so much that like when mm -hmm. i go to play a live show i just feel so comfortable on this piece of equipment that i've customized over the past few years that i'm like barely searching for new equipment you know i still have a habit yeah. of going on craigslist and facebook and and reverb and all the things but that's just because i'm you know into gear and i always have been but like i'm not like i'm not like searching for the answer anymore because i feel like i've kind of developed mine and you're kind of saying the same thing and mm -hmm. i think that's a really important thing for people to to, to you know you don't have to try to get there. It happens naturally, but you know, I think it's an important pl place to try to get to because if you're constantly like, Oh, this new thing came out, I'm going to try that. You're never going to get to know everything like, mm -hmm. you know, so well. And like, it's like, you know, watch Ricky Tinez on YouTube play the Octatrack and like mm -hmm. watch his fingers <laughs> just move a million miles an hour and then, yeah. go, and if you've never used an Architrack, then go buy one and try and use it. It's right. like, totally. you know, and learning curve aside, just the way that it actually works. Once you get it all in your brain, it's like, it's not, it's, it, that workflow is not necessarily for me. Um, something mm -hmm. I had to try and, and make, you know, make damn sure was it? Cause I know people make great stuff on it, but you know, it's so cool when you see someone have that like muscle memory on anything right that's just like mm -hmm. so beautiful to watch them go on and and i feel like for me with my modular system i have that same like same cadence you know i can i can go at that speed and then same thing with like ableton and my like hardware synths you know it's like i've got them all midi mapped and like i can just produce a track in like 30 minutes because like i know it and i'm not mm -hmm. not constantly learning a new piece of gear you know i'm just like actually expressing myself totally yeah that's so funny you've actually just like helped me like put some puzzle pieces together like with my own kind of my own situation but i think you know there's a lot of people well there's a lot of jokes about gas gear acquisition syndrome and yeah you know there's a lot there's people who look down their nose at that the type of people that are you know, there's like a Pokemon trading card kind of aspect to modules sometimes, but I feel like that's like, um, that's a big, like just the nature of it because you have such limited space and you need to make like these things all work together to find a system where, you know, maybe 20 things all work together in a way that makes sense to you is going to take some, a lot of trial and error, I think. And oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with buying the, it again. Exactly. And... I think that's part of the process. And I think it that's, is. it's an exciting part of the process, but like, I just got to a point, I went into Patrick's the other day and there, I didn't see anything. They, they have a lot of, I mean, you've been to their new showroom. They've got a lot of stuff it's in beautiful. there. Yeah. And other than like, you know, like a big $5,000 or, you know, like, or like, you know, a profit or something like that. Of course, I would love to have a profit or a summit or something, but you know, right. module wise, I was in there. I was like, yeah, there's stuff in here that would be definitely cool to have, but like, there's nothing in here that I like need to walk out of here with. And the feeling that well, I had know, going careful, in there, man. we're trying to year... perpetuate an energy, uh, an industry here. What's that? <laughs> so we're trying to perpetuate an industry here. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's for everybody who's well, just I feel you, this. and I totally, I totally agree. I totally agree, and that's that's a beautiful place to be as a musician. I didn't mean to cut you off to just to make no, a no, but yeah, 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 no, I'm. I think I think that's but like just to put a cherry on top of that a year and a half ago two years ago there would have been you know a hundred things in there that I'd be like oh I want that you know so right, like yeah. it does feel good to get to a point where like I'm playing a show in a couple of weeks and I have to play a 30 minute set and I was pretty pretty nervous about that but now I feel just pretty excited about it because I'm like I can do that you know oh dude I'm, yeah I mean but, Traversi and I played a two-hour set in Denver like a month ago, and it was cool. It was great. We played like you know, there's probably like 20 minutes that like no one will ever hear on the recording because we're gonna edit it out. But yeah, <laughs> you know, two hours is like you know the goal is like to be able to play for as long as you want, right? Mm-hmm. And and so two hours was pretty daunting. But what two hours did was make one hour the best mm-hmm. it was just like so cool totally. like as we we and it was the first show of our like little mini tour that we did mm-hmm. so it was like the first thing we did to like to play to start our our stint of playing together for a month the first thing we did was play together at in front of people for two hours so then every set after that was exactly what you said it was just exciting and fun because we knew we could do two hours and we knew that an hour wasn't even enough. Like we just knew we'd crush it, you know? That's crazy. Do you guys ever, like, I want to I dive into this process. I'm always fascinated with people who work together um, with modular. Um, yeah. During those two hours, are there stints where maybe one of you kind of dips out and goes into your, you know, your monitor headphones and, and or your cue or whatever and, like, sets the next part up so you can kind of, like, switch things around? Or are you guys, like, locked in? Oh no, we're in our monitors probably fit like both of us are probably in our monitors 50 percent of the time. Like Okay. Cool. I have headphones, she has headphones. And we probably write like anywhere between like fifteen to thirty percent of the set we're gonna play. So like we usually have like a jam that's a saved pattern that's gonna be an intro. And so it's okay. like, hey, this is the intro, this is the vibe we're gonna start with, and that that'll, you know, kind of uh that's a catalyst for the rest of the night, you know? And so we have that. And then we show each other, like in our practice sessions, we'll show each other like, Hey, I've written this. What do you think about that? I I like that. What key is it in? It's in this key. Okay. And then we'll maybe give it like a name. Um, as simple as like, you know, dubby thing in a minor, you know, but like, (laughs) so that way when we get hit a point, we where like one of us wants to like, where we both feel like we could use a little relief. That's when we're like, Hey, maybe you, you down to play, you down to play dubby thing in a minor now. And it's like, yeah, for sure. So okay. Okay. there's a couple things where we'll have saved patterns that we can bring in and out. Like definitely the intro is always like ready. We always plan the intro. So that way we can say like, you know, we're going to do a housey intro or we're going right into acid or like maybe we're going to try and do an ambient thing. Like we always kind of have that plan. So, so that way we're not sitting there two minutes before going like, how do you want to start? Cause that right. it adds like, right. a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And we found that yeah. out, you know, by doing that. So <laughs> we started out and then, um, 
yeah and then yeah it's like in your headphones like a lot of it is like she'll start like she'll start like a 303 line and then i'll go into my headphones and make a sub bass for it and like i'm pretty good at matching tones so i can just like hear what she's doing and just like just by ear just like go into my headphones and make something that's going to sound good to it but i'm mm-hmm. going simple you know it's like i'm going like one note maybe an octave up maybe a half step like very simple but that's like also you know a characteristic of the music that we make is is simple things like that mm-hmm. and then sometimes you know i'll i'll spit something out and then she'll come to me and be like you know she'll either ask what key it is or just you know listen do the same thing and start going for it um and sometimes, you know, you bring something in and you hear it and it doesn't sound the same in your headphones. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I am like a half step off or something like that. And both of us are pretty good about being like, well, like adapt it, whether or not that that comes out or the thing that spurred it comes out. You know, that's all just kind of like mm-hmm. in the moment of like just trying to always make what's sounding what's coming out of the speakers sound really good. But, yeah, there's a lot of time spent like in metron writing baselines making patterns i even go into a simulator and find samples sometimes and bring them out and like um and like and play like samples i've never played with rather than going through kits because it's like i always say i'm gonna prepare kits and then i one i don't but two if i do <laughs> i like love what i did at that time you know so it's like fuck it just dive in see if you can't find something really quick you know yeah yeah but that's like the fun part of it is like it's all that stress that makes it but you have to know your gear to be able to do that and you have to know your gear and when we started playing together she was talking about her and i were talking about what we were going to do and she was like maybe i'll use this maybe i'll use that maybe i'll use this and i like exactly what we talked about i started to get a little worried because i was like well which piece of gear do you know like you know which one's the the one you know the best and she's like, well, you know, I use like this piece of gear the most, but like when I use it, I like, I prepare a lot on it, you know? And so she actually ended up looking at my Eurorack case and being like, I'm going to build, she has most of the same modules. So she's like, I'm going to build a case similar to yours, but instead of like focusing on baselines, I'm going to focus on top lines and 303 stuff. And so she basically built a very similar rig to what I had. And then she gave herself like, I think it was like two months is when she built that rig. And then she had two months to work on it and like, didn't bring anything else or, you know, like she might've swapped a module out here or there, like something that she, we played one show. There's a module she didn't like, she didn't feel like it cut hard enough. So she took it out and replaced it with something else, you know, but Mm -hmm. she wasn't like, you know, the day before the show being like, you know, I think I'm just going to put the, I think I'm going to put the analog rhythm in here. And just like, you know, put this whole modular electron environment inside of our workflow, you know, it was like, it was like she committed to, to like that, that case and then went for it. And I was stoked on that because also for me, it was great for me because she was able to say like, if she had any questions, I could answer them because she was using the same gear I have. Um, Mm -hmm. if I had any questions, she could answer them because she was using the same gear. And then when like game time happens, we could like actually like mix each other, you know, grab each other's mixers and, and turn shit down. Cause we know where stuff is on each other's mixers. 
because they're the same. Oh, wow. So you guys are actually like reaching over and like messing with each other's synths. Yeah, just a little bit, like just mostly mixers. And it's like, like, it's all like, I usually start out with a kick, but I like, I try to not like just always be in charge. So, cause you know, I have a tendency, everybody does of taking over, right? It's like very mm-hmm. easy just to, to, just to lead the whole time. So, so sometimes I'll do a big build, take my drums out and then turn her drums on for her and then be like, it's your, your turn, you know, and then <laughs> that kind of signals that it's like her turn to go and she'll do the same thing to me, you know, like we'll kind of do that. Or if she noticed I'm messing with something up here and she wants the kick drum to come out, she'll just come over and grab it and turn it off and turn it back on and, you know, create a break that way. And, Nice. We, I wouldn't so cool. say we're really touching each other's like actual synths, except for like in practice where it's like if we have questions, you know, but like as far as. The, OK, but yeah, mixers always like, yeah, definitely like mixers free game for sure. That's so cool. I'm curious, too, like you've been in Colorado and um, and Traversy being in, in Southern California. Like, how did you guys decide to start? a band like are you guys a band what's the name of your band is it just traversy and alx 106 like what what's going on yeah. there so um it's crazy so she got i don't basically she gets booked because she's an awesome person and is also super like um like she's great at networking and she's really sociable mm-hmm. and personal and personable and like in in and and keeps in touch with people very well and so I think that that's really where it started. I mean, so last year she got on this gig that I really wanted to play that was called Acid Night. And it's like, it, it was like a replacement for our Techno Taco Tuesday night. And um, <laughs> this, uh, this uh, the person who runs it, her name's Emily. She's awesome. And she she had moved like into the mountains, so she wasn't doing it as much, but somehow Travarsi and her had gotten in touch. And I think it had been like through either YouTube or Instagram of just like, Hey, I dig what you do. If you ever want to come to Colorado, you know, I'd have a place for you to play. Travarsi jumped on it right away. Cause that's what she does. And then when she got it booked, she, she just hit me up. We had been friends, you know, but we hadn't ever played together. We had just been friends and she hit me up and asked me to play the show. And I was like, yeah, of course I figured that she meant open, you know? Uh-huh. And then she's like, no, I want you to play with me. Like, do you, would you want to collab, collab on it and, and play with me? And I was like, that sounds super fun. Um, and actually what, how that whole conversation started, it was, she hit me up and said, I'm going to come to Colorado for a few days. Do you want to make like a record? And I was like, yeah, that sounds <laughs> great. That's how it started out. She wanted to do recording. Uh-huh. And then, so she booked she was like, okay, it's going to be around this time and this time. So I, you know, I like made time for it and said, okay, we can make it work. You can stay at my house. And then, then she got that gig and was like, so we're going to do this gig now. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Maybe we can still make a record. Maybe we won't, whatever. So then she came to my house and set up her stuff. And we played for like 25 minutes. And she just looks at me and goes, I think we're good. You think we're good? <laughs> <laughs> And practice, I was just practice, like, practice, guys. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. She's like, right on. I'll see you later. And so she actually didn't stay at my house. She stayed at her friend. So she, she ended up just going back to that guy's house, to, to Chris Luigi's house. And 
then she hits me up the next day and she's like, Hey, I think we should practice again. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, you know, that's the day before the day of the show. And we like set our stuff up. We play for like 15, 20 minutes again. She's like, I think we're good. And I'm like, I think we're good too. (laughs) And then we went and just played for an hour and a half back to back. We'd played together twice total of an hour probably. And we went and played for an hour and a half and just like, in my opinion, destroyed. It was awesome. uh Like, it was a really good set. We had a great. We were headlining. It was a great set time. Good club. Good sound system. And um, good crowd. So like everything worked out for it. And um, it was a uh, that was really great. That was like June, June or July of last year. And then this year. And then we did Nobcon. Um, well, last you did year. Velocity right before. Oh, you did Nobcon last year. Okay. Last year we did Nobcon. After that, after that, she was like, "Hey, we're both playing Nobcon. Do you just want to combine our sets?" Because I'd like to play with you again, and I was like, "Yeah, for sure." So we did that, and we didn't practice at all. That one was just we just went and winged it. <laughs> and then for Velocity, we had we played. She came out to Denver and played my patched out party, and that's the one where we played two hours. So. That one was interesting because we practiced for like an hour, an hour 15. And then we both started getting super anxious. Like, oh man, are we going to be able to do this for two hours? Blah, blah. And by the end of it, I was like, you know, I think we just played too long. Like, I think our magic number is like 25 minutes. Like, I think that's what we got. Like, I don't think we can like put, I don't think we can prepare much beyond that or else we're going to like cause too much anxiety. Well, it sounds like you have a really good system of like, all right, well, we have an opener and then we have, you know, droney B minor dub, you know, for the back pocket in case, you know, so we we do the intro. And then once we start feeling like maybe we're losing the thread, go into something we know. And then you can, you know, if you you have two really good, solid starting places that you can meander from, I imagine, Yeah, you know. My favorite exactly. thing to do we, is set we up have like, like four or five, you know. So and like we don't yeah, ever there play you go. them, you know. Right, right. Which is great, you know. Like, yeah. Um, like, yeah. So yeah, like we, every time I set up a patch for like a performance or something like a remote performance that I'm doing, I always have it kind of like set up in the way that I generally want it to go, and then I just try to fuck it up at the end, you know. And yeah. it's like sometimes it's the fucking it up at the end that the real shit comes out, and sometimes it's oh, absolute yeah. bullshit. You know, I've had. I've recorded some 100%. stuff where I'm like, that is fucking garbage, dude. Um, yeah. But I'm also yeah, like, like I said, when- you know, two hours, there's probably 20 minutes in that two hour set that we were just like, we listened back and we're like, what the fuck was this? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, 20 minutes of everyone's life isn't the end of the world. And it's like, right, right. Yeah. You know, and like, and, and, and we were into it at the time and the crowd, you know, I don't think any, I don't really recall like people getting up and leaving. It was like people were still dancing and stuff. So it was just one of those things that when you hear it on a recording, you're like, "Nah, that's not so great. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> not all ideas can be amazing ones. Right. But right. It's, it is that kind of stress and like, yeah, setting yourself up with like a plan, like a roadmap. And then also just like being okay with diverting is a big deal. Like when we played in LA, we played this festival that was like a 2000 person festival in, you know, a giant 2000 person warehouse space. It was a rave. I mean, it was, it was a rave festival Mm -hmm. and we played at 5 PM 
when the doors opened. So we've got these giant stacks of speakers. They didn't make room for us on the on the DJ table, which is totally cool. You know, like we understand we like hardware is like that sometimes. Sometimes you just have to make do. So we set up uh-huh. a table on the floor in front of the speakers, which ended up being awesome because we could hear, you know, like we could hear pretty okay. Yeah. Um, but we played to zero people except for staff because they, you know, they um, until for about five, ten minutes because they were letting people in. Right. So they, uh-huh. they open the doors when we press play. So then they're checking people in, you know, checking bags and stuff. So it took a while for people to trickle in. And we're playing this giant warehouse that's a techno warehouse, you know, where people are late, later than I are playing 140 BPM. And we're trying to play like funky bass lines in there, like my kind of like shit. And you uh-huh. just can't even, it's just getting swallowed whole by the reverb, you know? So it was about 10 minutes in, I look over at her and she looks at me and she's like, techno? And I'm like, yeah, techno. And then we just like, we didn't play like a single thing we planned past that because it was like, this room isn't going to be nice to like my style of writing. The things mm-hmm. I prepare are definitely more for like a 400 person like club, not a 2000 person like concrete barn you know <laughs> yeah so it's like is that so is that just as techno better just because the beats are so fast that it doesn't give any uh time for the room to reverberate it all back it's just yeah just and like a lot of times with that style of techno your baseline is the kick drum so right, if you've got right. like a big wobbly <laughs> kind of thing that that takes up all the low frequency you don't really need much else and when mm-hmm. you're doing like a punchy, like thud, thud, thud kick in a, in a warehouse or in a, in a club space, you know, you hear the thud and you hear the space in between. So you have time to put a baseline or other stuff in between there. But when your thud turns into a washer reverb, you don't really have that time. You don't have that uh, cl- like time for clarity, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's sense. like, yeah fill up that space, fill up that low end with like body shaking rumbles and, and go for it. And then, you know, there's some techno that's so fast, like you can't even put a hi-hat in between anymore because there's not enough room for the energy (laughs) there, you know? Right. So it's like, you Uh. just go like, you just go fast kick and like rave stab on top and that's all you got room for, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, that the roadmap sounds... and then just being like open to diverting, like, hey, this isn't working, whether it's the mm-hmm. room or the people, you know, it's just like being a DJ where you show up and you have something, this artistic expression planned. And then sometimes it's like, well, I guess the, <laughs> I guess the people aren't really into Brazilian disco right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, like, I feel like, um, I feel like this, this conversation has been very, uh, like, I feel like you've helped me just like I said earlier, kind of put some puzzle pieces together. Cause I think the takeaway for me right now with talking about this gear thing and, and practice is like, okay, get some stuff, practice on that and get to know like some, like a little kit of things you can do. Even if it's not like saved presets or whatever, just know a couple things well enough to where you can always like feel comfortable. Like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that right get now. Um, yeah. And then I think another part of it is, uh, you know, like, um, 
oh god i just lost it because i feel like this is threefold here um but you, you've like helped me realize a few things um I think the, you know, obviously the practice, like I'm actually, as, as we're sitting here talking and I'm listening to everything that you're saying, I'm, I have been completely like re retooling the way I'm about to pro approach building this set for my show in a few weeks and the awesome. building the same, it's the building the same patch thing that you said earlier. That's the second thing that I really wanted to like, be like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. Of course that, that same patch, uh, quote unquote for me has evolved as I continue to get new stuff and, and make this same patch over and over again. But like, right. that is such an important and piece of it for me anyways. Like, so I just went on this crater Lake trip. Um, and I was building, like I was practicing for this set, uh, that I have to play before I left. And then I was like, okay, I need to build, uh, you know, a set that I can play at Crater Lake. Um, and then I built some more patches while I was out at a campground. And I started listening to them like, these are all really like, these are all really similar and like doing the exact same thing. And I'm like, oh, because I'm like locking in on something. I'm honing in on something. So like, yeah, they're the same thing, but like I'm getting better at that same thing. And like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, just the way you've, you were, t you, this, everything that you've been saying is making me realize like, yeah, I'm going to continue doing that, but I'm going to build that same patch like piece by piece. So I'm going to start with this little lower left corner of my set or my setup. That yeah. is the thing that I've really locked in on and gotten good at. And I'm going to get just a patch just on that, that I can right. fucking rip through, you know, rip around in for like 15 minutes and have it be interesting or whatever. Um, totally. And then and like, you know, and then reading the room, like you were just saying, like, that's a whole other thing right. that you have. That's a whole other skill. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like, and you know, there's, there's a little difference too of like, you know what, like what I expect of myself and what, like I, what I like, what I, what I like, how I, how I patch and what I actually do. So like, you know, there's, I am not necessarily like a super synthy synthesis driven patcher, you know, uh -huh. like I do some cool things with switches to give myself like some presets and to be able to like say, okay, this, this was an analog voice and now it's an F or this was a square wave voice and now it's an FM voice. And now it's a voice with, with two or three oscillators all stacked on top of each other. And I do stuff like that, but I'm not like, my whole sound is really based on the sequencing and the sample selection and the sound selection. So it's a little bit easier for me and different, different for me than people who really are relying on synthesis, generative stuff. Um, and, and, you know, just people that are more focused on, on actual like synthesis and sound design as like their set. And I, and I, I fully acknowledge that. And, you know, like my, my workflow isn't for like absolutely everybody, you know, but the, the, that thing of just like being able to like know it, you know, like my friend trying to remember who this, who was telling me just yesterday or the other day <laughs> was saying that they, they bought a new synth and that they were really stoked on this synth because they feel like they had three or four presets on it in their brain that they could get to super quick that they didn't think they would ever use like the actual presets. And it mm -hmm. was like, 
and that's like a, we were talking about learning synthesis and learning modular synthesis. And it was my friend Jacob, actually. Yeah, now I remember. And we were talking about this because he's just getting into it. And I was like, well, look at it. Look at the big synths that you have and look for lines, you know, because any line on any synth that you have is likely separating what a module is. And you can probably mm -hmm. buy a module that does what that section of the synth does. Mm -hmm. And so he was talking about hydrosynth in a way that he likes it because he feels like he can, he can make his presets really quick without having to actually rely on him, which is helping him understand the parameters. And it remember, it reminded me of when I used to play bass in a band, I had a sub fatty that I would play and I never used presets because I felt like in every room's different. And when I'd go to a preset, I felt like it didn't sound as good in the room as like I wanted it to. So I always would like just do them by hand because I could like get them visually close to where I knew that the things were supposed to be, mm -hmm. but then use my ears to dial in the last 10%. And like, that's, you know, just the same thing. Like when I was in that band, it was like, I had to, I had to work really fast, you know, to change stuff on the fly. But I, I liked to do it visually because I knew, again, I knew that synth, you know, inside and out i knew every single thing and it was all muscle memory and i think that that's that's super important um you know regardless unless it's just like i plug this in and we're gonna see what happens you know and that's that's fun too but yeah it's different, yeah yeah know? and the plug it in see what happens thing you just have to do that a whole lot of times with a whole lot of different things until you find the thing where you're like oh this is my thing with this piece of gear like oh yeah i'm using pachinko and then idum uh, Mystic Circus item. Oh yeah, I want um, that. And uh, dude, it is fucking awesome. And uh, I only use one mode on it so far. Like, there's like a shitload of modes on it, but I found oh, yeah. a mode that's really vibing with me. <laughs> um, and then I also like I've had tree and leaves for Mystic Circuit, so it's like a sequential switch and then a voltage uh, sequence expander for that switch. Um, and I've used them here and there, but I haven't really like found my way of like using them but now that i have item they actually pair so well with it so it's like okay this look like i said earlier this lower left hand corner actually it's like half of my lower row is yeah. pachinko item tree leaves then i've got the analog kick from recovery because i love that kick and then yeah, two so, yeah. a beehive and a knit which are both platts clones for my snare and hi-hat and it's like that's that my drum great. rig yeah yeah and it's i'm having so much fucking fun with it um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's totally the, that's a vibe having that, like, um, just like have just being content, you know, like mm -hmm. is, is really important. Like I, um, I used to say this a lot and I've stopped myself from saying it and I've tried to like spread this a little bit. It's, you know, when you ask someone like, well, what are you using like rings for, for example, right? And people will go, well, I'm just using like, I'm just using the green mode or whatever. Like the, I'm just using the shit. It was, it's like shipped on, you know? And mm -hmm. I, you know, I know it does so much more and I feel like I could do a lot more with it, but you know, I just haven't felt the time and it just sounds good. And that's the key word. It sounds good. So you're using yeah. that, like, you know, mm -hmm. and I used to say that all the time where it's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm using this thing to its potential. And like, like Zoya, for example, like I have a Zoya patch that I made that is, I, that I love. It's a master effects patch and I'm going to 
I'm going to share it soon. Um, I just got to clean it up a little bit. But it's a master effects patch. It's a high pass filter, low pass filter, delay, reverb, all stereo, and a flanger. And then, you know, four LFOs. And that it takes up the whole um, memory of the Zoya. It's, it's, it's a pretty complex thing. But I'm still like, or I used to be like, oh, well, you know, I should be making it like new patches on it all the time. And like, I should make generative stuff on it. And I should do this. And I'm not using this thing to its potential. And it's like, I'm totally using this thing to its potential. I'm maxing Absolutely. its CPU out. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. That was it's my, like... that's, that's been my Zoya <laughs> slash Euro Bureau, Euro Bureau uh, uh, experience as well. I was, I always made very, what I thought was like too simple of things for it, but I'm like, but what, what's too simple really mean? And I think like, yeah. you know, with the, I, the, with the item, yeah, sure. I could, I could be exploring these other modes more, but I'll do that once I've exhausted what I'm getting out of this mode that I'm into right now. And if I never get out of that, that's fine. And even with plats, like I'm sure there are people out there that are like, you only use plats for snare, like snare and hi-hat. You could, you're yeah, exactly. wasting that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but I just really like the way they work. Um, and I usually have pretty simple modulation going into them. You know, I don't get, and that's, I think that's the thing is you realize like, yeah, these are designed to do a lot of things. So a lot of different people can use them. Not so you can do a lot of different things all the time, you know, find exactly. the find your groove exactly. in it. That's such a huge, that's such a good it. way to put it. I've never thought of it that way. And that is such a good way to put it. And even at WMD, I've probably said that before, but I, I like that has never really <laughs> rung true. We're not making yeah. these so you can do every single thing all at the same time or so that you you use it in every way in in a set and, and fix it. We're making these things this way to try and reach a wide a wide base so we can sell a thousand of them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, like the goal is to sell totally. 500 yeah. to a thousand of something. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not to sell 40 and then have, have people do a thousand different things with them. It is, the goal mm -hmm. is to sell a thousand of them and, and like, again, perpetuate a business, you know? So it's like in an mm -hmm. industry and, and like, that's like such a good, I'm going to, I'm going to keep that one. Cause that is such a good, like, um, thing to say to people when they're like, well, you know, I'm not really using it to its potential. It's like. The fact that you're using it means you're using it like, and that's it. You know? Right. Yeah. I think, um, I, I'm, I'm glad that it just came out that way too. Cause it literally just, again, this conversation's having, letting a lot of uh, puzzle pieces fall together in my head, but I realized that with chrono blob too, one of my favorite delays I've ever had. I use, since I've pretty much had it, I use it the exact same way. Mimeophone, almost the exact same way. And even the Aurora, I got the uh, the the FDN or whatever reverb the the alternate firmware on it, and Aurora yeah. with both can do all sorts of crazy sounds, and I like some of them, and some of them I like but aren't for me. But I basically am just using it for this one type of reverb that I'm running into a uh, a jelly squasher and hitting with my kick drum, and I'm doing sidechain yeah. compression on heavy reverb. And that's like pretty much all I'm doing with both of those things. And every patch I do, oh. I have some aspect of that. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's I mean, what that's I want, distinct. Man. Distinct can oh, be everything. Yes. Uh -huh, and if totally. you want it to be everything, you're gonna you're going to be disappointed. 
Same but tournament and man, yep. he has an awesome reverb algorithm and a great delay oh, algorithm. And mine is mine's. I got the 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 four ex or whatever. So I you know it's eight HP. So it's like nice. I've got both of my. I've got auxiliary sense for my performance mixer in eight HP. I haven't touched that thing since mm-hmm. I since I bought it. Like I I figured out the the multiplication and the and everything to do put it in my case and I haven't touched it since it is just like I love it that reverb I don't remember which one but on I have uh, my album music to come down to that's like the primary reverb I used on it and uh yeah just the way you could like cv the mix on it you could get kind of like side chainy type sounds with it with like lfos and stuff but yeah um but that was the same thing with ornament and crime. I've, you know, I've had an ornament and crime for a long time. I had, I've had multiple distings and they often sat because I was always paralyzed with like, well, which, which thing do I use on it? Or I need to exactly. figure out how I can like switch between modes on this in a, in a set. And it's like, no, don't, you can sure. If that's fun and you feel like that's, you're being expressive that way, but like, yeah, don't make things harder on yourself if that's helped her for you then great but yeah no exactly and like i searched high and low for delay and reverb modules and then was like listen to the demos of of those and i was like these sound great and they're in 8 hp and i never have to worry about it ever again like done Mm -hmm. and i bought it that's what i bought it for i was super thankful that the demos translated to my case and that i continued to feel like they sounded good when i got them in my case and then Mm -hmm. i didn't do anything else it was just boom like done dude that um the dj filter on that thing is also really good there's a don't Um, tell me that there's a dj filter on it there's a dj filter. well there was i mean i'm pretty sure that the x has the same firmware right it's just basically yeah, I'm gonna a bigger buy a new one. I'm gonna buy another one because I'm not changing my patch on mine. I'm sticking well, to just, it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try it, man. I'm just gonna buy a new one. <laughs> See, we're keeping that industry alive. You know, like well, that's um, one of the things that, that these modules are funny, right? It's like when you ha- when like Overseer, for example, that's all it does. It's a DJ filter, it's analog, sounds great. That's all it does. So I have three of those in my case because I use two on two stereo samples and I use one on my black box and it's like you know like when you buy a multi a multi-faceted module it's like you should think of it like I mean depending on who you are and what you want to do you you can think of how you want but how I think about them is like exactly that like well I bought one and it's a delay and a reverb and it'll never get changed from that so if I want to buy one if I want one for a DJ filter I'm just going to buy another one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man well we're we're already over an hour and i usually i try to ask this question as we're approaching an hour um because i usually am talking to busy people and i know you're one of those busy people but what what's in the future for alex alx 106 and at alx 106 well, and traversi and all of that stuff like yeah so traversi and i are playing in minneapolis on uh, november 12th oh cool and um, we are working on another LA show that's centered around the Brook or the LA Synth Expo, which I have to look up the date. It's like December. No, it's January at some point. 
So keep an eye out okay. on for that. I think the I think it's January twenty seventh. We're looking for a show around that time in LA. Um, so yeah, just follow follow me on Instagram um, alx underscore one the letter zero letter o and then six. That's how you, that's my thing. You can just search <laughs> Alex one six and it'll come up. I'll, I'll put the, a, a link in the show description. <laughs> but no, you can you can literally just search exactly how you think it's supposed to be and it'll come up. But um, okay, yeah, the uh, that's that's new. Um, so shows patched out. I, I mentioned it briefly. That's my monthly here in Denver. Um, that's a monthly like hardware dance party. So that happens at the Black Box every third Friday. So if anybody is in Colorado or coming to Colorado soon, be sure to come to that. Patched outs every or sorry, free boutiques every second Tuesdays. And then, yeah, man, just working on music. I, I'm uh, just uh, trying to get some releases scheduled here. And um, this, I've been cleaning my studio. Like I, I was telling my friend, I'm like getting ready for ambient season. You know, it's like it's about to get <laughs> yeah. cold. I got all my scents plugged in. I'm like just ready for the sweat sweatpants and drone season, you know? Hell yeah, dude. Me too. That sounds really good. So working on that, working on some cool stuff with Colorado Modular Synth Society. And um, and then my YouTube channel, I'll be announcing that pretty soon. It'll be an Alex106 YouTube channel, I'm pretty sure. And um, so you can follow me on Instagram. I'll, I'll, post, I'll post it on there. And then I'll also do – I'm going to do a video for like on WMD's channel directing people to that because that's where I'm going to continue things. I'm going to – WMD's channel will continue to uh, live and be there as long as it possible, as long as YouTube allows it to be there. Um, but I will be starting my own channel and making my own videos uh, independently. So that'll that'll be happening hopefully in the next few weeks here. Right on. Well, Alex, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, I'm so happy that we got to see each other in person again and then uh, have this chat so close after. Um, Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. And I wish you the best on all your future endeavors. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Alex, for joining us. Don't forget to check out everything Alex Anderson, ALX106. Links in the show description. Waveform PDX coming up very soon. Hope to see you there. Waveform Inversion the night before. Hope to see you there as well. Thank you to Patchworks, our lovely synth shop here in the Northwest. Please visit them over at P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Uh, thank you to Afterlater Audio. If you would like to learn more about Afterlater Audio, link in the show description to all the stuff there. Um, also, just don't forget there is a new uh, uh, issue of Waveform Magazine. And if you're not familiar with Waveform Magazine, well then, once again, I want to point you in the direction of the links in the show description. Excellent, excellent uh, publication. Really nice, high-quality physical publications that are just all about our, our lovely little world here that we all love so much. Uh, the music that I played today are uh, a couple tracks from my first full-length electronic album I ever made, and I hadn't listened to it in a few years, and so uh, my wife and I listened to it on our road trip, and I was like, hey, I still really like this. So I um, thought it'd make some good podcast music. If you want to check that out, it's on uh, the band camps. Until next week.
This week's secret word is expanse. 